Welcome to the floor, sci-fi and fantasy lore. We are continuing into part two of the Blood War. We are going to meet Zariel, the angel of vengeance, who has wanted to join the Blood War since she watched all of her friends die. Uh, we will talk about how the Celestials became involved in the Blood War and uh, why they now refuse to take part in it. Uh, we'll talk about where tieflings come from and their language. We'll talk about how the satanic panic influenced D&D during that time and the names of the demons and the devils. We'll also get to meet a very special type of demon called the Yugaloth and the ferrymen who uh, drive their boats down the river Styx and their very important role in this battle. And uh, finally, we will talk about the crawling city and the prophecy that just talks about the end of the blood war. So if you're interested in that and you want to continue that journey, go ahead and dive into that episode here and roll the intro. Do you remember the first story that was so spellbinding that it drove you to break the rules and stay up all night? To keep reading, keep listening, keep playing, so good you forgot your life and lived there? So good that the moment it ended, you asked yourself, what next? Welcome to the floor. Our goal is to take you back, take you deeper, to explore and understand more, and relive that childlike wonder. Join us as we dive deep into humanity's greatest stories, no matter how they are told, through books, movies, television, even games. One of us does an in-depth research on our topic. One of us is familiar with the topic. And one of us knows nothing. So the right questions will always be asked and will be addressed for anyone coming into the topic, regardless of how much you know. Enjoy another world another adventure, another spellbinding story. Join us on the floor. Welcome to part two of The Blood War. We have covered the Abyss. We have covered the Abyss and their demons and the Nine Hells and the Devils and how River Styx connects all, uh, all of them leading to this Blood War. Right? You remember all this last time, Aaron? Uh, some of it, yeah. Demons, devils, chaos, uh, lawfulness, but not really lawful. Uh -huh. Now, last time Joe had mentioned uh, that the story of Descent into Avernus, there was this archangel named Zariel who asked for her divine kin to give her forces to fight the devils and save the people of El Terrell, and she was denied this request. So this is not Zariel, this is Rhea Mantelmorn who does this. Um... Rhea, she's a, a human who asked for this help. But Zariel is the one who re replies. Oh, see, I, I guess there's a bunch of spoilers right here. But I was pretty sure that the angel is Rhea Mantelmorn. And That's a human. When she is trapped in Avernus, she becomes Zariel when she's corrupted by the Nine Hells. Zariel is an archangel who uh, answers this and goes down with them. And Zariel becomes corrupted 
and will become the leader of Avernus. Cesario was a hero. Well, it looks like, hang on, I'm going to look this up real quick. Yeah, I think you've confused that name of who is who. Yes. So, history of Zariel. Originally, Zariel was a solar under the command of the Morning Lord Lathander. Her name, oh, according to Rhea Mantelmorn, meaning champion of light. Okay, you're right. Yep. Okay, she, so. She was always Zariel. Zariel was created to help fight uh, against demons. Um, that, that is her soul, demons and devils, fiends uh, alike. So she was created? And, and so, uh, yes. Mo- most of the arch uh, angels were created. All right. So, um, Zariel. So, 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 can we just recap and just explain everything that we just talked about, just like real clearly in a couple sentences? Yes. Thank you. Okay. So, Joe was wrong before. He thought Rhea Mantelmorn becomes Zariel. That is not true. Rhea Mantelmorn prays for help, and Zariel is the one who answers her prayers. Zariel is an archangel who is tasked with um, looking over the blood war. So, if and- you. Uh, recall our episode on El Terrell or some of the earlier Baldur's Gate stuff. We talked about a city called El Terrell, the sister city of Baldur's Gate. And it was being attacked by devils. And it was... Uh, so the people came to Devils get... and demons. So it's actually only devils at this time that's being attacked by during this period. You sure? You and, were just I wrong before, Have Joe. a correction on that. Have a correction. So... Okay, so Eli's saying devils and demons. So, do you guys want to name this Rhea episode the episode where Joe got everything wrong? <laughs> it's not everything wrong. He just he thought one person. So was well, apparently, you got the so devils they, and they demons pray. wrong too. <laughs> so they pray and uh, for help to deal with these devils, um, and it is Zariel who answers their call. Right. And she asks the other Celestials for forces to go and fight uh, the devils down there. But she is denied this request. Why is she denied this request? So a long time ago, when the forces of the devils and demons started to look to other planes to find advantages in this blood war, they started to spill into the realm of the Celestials. Now, when they started to overflow into these realms, the angels began to fight against the fiends as if they were one force. So, they became one force. And the armies of the lower planes united in a far greater force than the celestials. And so they began to fall one by one. This piece of the blood war only lasts about a week. So the demons and devils join forces against the celestials when the celestials enter the war? Correct. Okay. Now, we don't know how many uh, angels there were before this, but after this week, there are less than 3,000 angels left. So out of fear of annihilation and losing uh, their their home realm, Mount Celestia, to the evil fiends. They make a contract with the devils and the Yugoloths, we'll get to them later, 
that they will no longer fight in the blood war, in turn, that they will not allow the war to spill into the higher realms. So they are now in contract with them. This is why the Archangel Zeriel is denied the help she asked for to fight the devils in the material plane. The ones who are attacking El Terrell and, and all, all of this, uh, it wasn't El Terrell that exactly made her go down. There was a village that she was, um, that, that was under her protection that the demon lord Yinagu came and slaughtered. Okay, that yeah. That was the final straw for her that she was like, I will, know, I will now break this contract. I'm no longer going to take no for an answer. Oh. I'm just going to go okay, and fight. Yeah. So in the story of El Terrell, the city itself is not attacked, <laughs> but El Terrell is like the capital, and then there's a surrounding area called Eltergard, and <laughs> it was the villages that were of Eltergard being attacked by the devil. So, yeah, it must have been one of those villages. Because, yeah, they don't actually attack the city itself. <laughs> there are other plans for this city eventually. Anyways... So, did that all make sense? Uh, Out. Yes. Okay. So, um, so, like I said, uh, Zariel, she uh, had been tasked to watch over this blood war and monitor it, it uh, monitor it after this contract was agreed upon. Um, so that they were no longer f allowed to fight in the war, but they could observe which side was winning and what the celestials would decide to do was they would make supply drops of magical weapons and artifacts to either side to keep neither side from winning. Right. Balance it. And Zeriel was in charge of this. Mm, okay. Now. She has been obsessed with this war for a very long time. Like I said, she's asked over and over again to fight in the blood war. And the, the answer was always no. And the story that's sent into Avernus is when she no longer takes no for an answer. Right. That is what has happened. Yeah. So she wades into the war, but she also realizes that she can get the army of Eltergard at her back as she rides in there. So she's not going solo. She has a mortal army with her. Now, the reason the uh, devils and uh, demons are on the material realm is in the Blood War, they get this idea that they can use mortals from the material plane on their side of the war before they die. And from this uh, practice is why we get um, uh, mixed races of demons and mortals and devils and mortals like tieflings, right? This the tieflings come from devils pulling mortals down, and eventually uh, tieflings come from the mixing of devils and mortals Wait, really? in the nine hells. Yeah. So a yes. tiefling is like uh -huh. born of a fusion. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah, it's half mortal, half fiend. Well, not always half. The fiend bloodline uh, can run in a family without anyone manifesting as a tiefling for some time. And then you can like you can get like four generations of humans, and then suddenly there's a tiefling. Like, oh, I guess somebody somewhere made it with a succubus, <laughs> yeah, or an incubus, yeah. So like it, it's not necessarily half, but he, as they manifest, it's kind of considered half. 
but <laughs> the bloodline doesn't actually have to be that way. The same can happen with the celestial blood in the Asimars, <laughs> right? As long as there's Asimar blood in the family line, they can manifest at any point. <laughs> and, and so, uh, you know, Tiefling is pretty a broad term. That means a crossbreed between a mortal and a fiend. Um, but like I said, there, there are a lot of these half-fiend kind of races. Um, yeah. There's a great but, uh, moment in Critical Role where uh, Sam, who doesn't know a lot of the lore of the D&D, or at least acts like he doesn't as they play the game, learns that the tiefling in their party speaks infernal, and he's like, why would you speak that? <laughs> and uh, Jester's just like, because I'm a tiefling. Like, duh. <laughs> Just a casual language, yeah. So, anyways, wait, um, fiends. It, so, yes. so a tiefling innately knows how to speak. What was it? Uh, evil, infernal. infernal. It's their native language. But like, if you're right, part so of it's... that gen, like family bloodline, say that kid's parent, but you didn't have tiefling gene, you wouldn't know how to speak it. So it's just something that you just are born with. The base assumption is that, you know, usually tieflings are going to have more tiefling children, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and will collect together as tieflings. So this, this what, I, what I mentioned, like you get four generations of humans and then a tiefling is pointing out that, you know, as the bloodline is there, it can stay. But usually what happens is you have, you know, an incubus or a succubus and a human and then you get a tiefling. And then, you know, maybe they'll have a couple tieflings and usually the tieflings will either have have mate with more succubuses or incubuses or they will mate with other tieflings which kind of maintains that tiefling that's where most of the tieflings yeah, are going to see yeah but in see. your random so gonna uh, speak. data example. example that you gave would that tiefling know how to speak infernal no unless they were taught so it's by not their parents okay. right so yeah it's no, not a no, name. it's not a name, but, but yeah but for most tieflings they speak infernal because that's what they speak at home right it's, it's yeah. home language <laughs> All right, break. so uh, is it break time? Yeah, let's take a break. So, right. uh, break. Okay, so we have been mentioning at the end of our episodes recently about the treasure room, how, as Aaron likes to describe it, in the floor we go deep into things, but in the treasure room we kind of go wide. And we wanted to give people who have never been in the treasure room uh, a little bit of a sample. So going forward, we'll probably be uh, putting in little bits and pieces here. So here is a small clip uh, from the treasure room. We hope you enjoy it and are interested in uh, learning more in there. Recently, we got uh, some write-ins about our treasure room commercials here that it was a little bit confusing. People didn't always know what we were talking about. So I do want to give you a little bit of context going into this clip that we're pulling from the treasure room. So you decide if you're interested or not. We are talking about imps. This is a creature feature. And uh, hopefully that is enough context for you to know what is going on. I hope you enjoy the clip and you're interested in to check out the episode. Is whoever their master is, they will whisper... Uh, magical ancient secrets into their ears, and it boosts your magical abilities. Whoa, I want one. 
you 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 can get one. <laughs> you, can't imps, you, you imps can be familiars. You you could even have a blood uh, blood bag imp familiar if you want it. But, but if I'm not a devil, that doesn't do anything. I don't. But what want, if you're I'm, a vampire? <laughs> what if you're a va- I guess as a vampire, that's a good familiar, right? Yeah, that's a great familiar. He's like, ah, I got my blood bag. I don't need to bite people. I'm a nice guy. I just chew on this imp. <laughs> Stuck in like some cave in the middle of nowhere, be like, I don't want to die. I'll just eat the imp a few times a day. We'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Welcome back. We were talking about the Blood War, and uh, Zariel uh, was prayed to by Rachel Ghoul. Rachel That's that's well, DC. You know, uh, and she, that that archangel is like the governoress of the Blood War. She's like oversees the whole shebang, and she was sick of people uh, for the, for, yeah, the, for the celestials. Specific. She watches over, and and if one side is gaining too much power then they're like we can't fight in this war but we can give you presents yeah, it's like the Hunger games you give you presents <laughs> uh, yeah but then zario's like f this i want to go play and then she hops into the war and goes and fights yes you know what it's like it's like house Caneth, right when all the wars are going on be like you guys are really losing we would like to sell you the latest and greatest in, in magic Stark weaponry. Tech over here. And then they start winning and they're like, we should really support your enemies because we should be fair to everybody. You guys are really losing this war now. They've got these great new weapons. They're kicking your butts. We've got the latest and greatest. We know how to defeat the weapon they're using. We know how to defeat the weapon you're using. It's rock, paper, scissors. You know, that, that's really how the Celestials are approaching this. Be like, to go to the demon big... Things aren't going well for you. Let us give you the latest and greatest in magic weaponry from Mount Celestia. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, look, they're specialized for slaying demons. Oh, look, they're specialized for slaying devils. They're like, we know those demons have this awesome new weapon, but we know exactly how to protect yeah, you from it. Let us sell you the latest and greatest. <laughs> latest and greatest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so... Um, fiends is a blanket term from uh, creatures that come from the lower realms, such as the Nine Hells, the Abyss, Hades, and Guiana. And I will get to this one in just a minute. Um, That is where uh, uh, fiends come from. So, before I get into Guiana, uh, I just want to do a quick sidebar for anyone listening, wondering why I'm saying devils and not Beta Ezu. And demons, not Tanari. Uh, this is a result from the Satanic Panic. We've brought this up before. Oh, this was a big cultural and legal movement that started in the eighties, um, saying that some media was encouraging Satanism, and D and D was one of the uh, targets of this. And so, because of this, they began to change the names. So, they started calling angels Azimon. Devils, Beatazu, Demons, Tanari, and our third party that we will go over now, the Daemons. Not the Demons. The Daemons are now called Yugoloths. You, okay, yeah. I've met the Yugoloths. Okay, so these are the neutral evil creatures of the lower planes. And just like fiends, just like all fiends, they like to cause suffering and manipulation of others. 
but they especially like to do this to devils and demons. They believe that they started the blood war, and in a way they kind of did. For the Marina Loths are the fairy men of the River Styx, who originally brought the demons to the Nine Hells, starting the blood war. Now, the Yugoloths are extremely selfish, and they really only care about what is in it for them personally. And a Marina Loth is only loyal to his boat and his high prices of their service. There could have been a larger plot behind this, but I would not blame a ferryman for doing what a ferryman does. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, dude, we, we had ferrymen on uh, on the Mississippi. That's why monopolizing a, uh, a specific sector is illegal now. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, and with the classic story of the River Styx, the ferryman is a very important part of that story. Yeah. Right. So that that is incorporated into the Forgotten Realms lore in the Blood War, especially. Now there are all kinds of Yugoloths, from insectoid-type ones, ones with weapons for hands, alien-looking ones, strange demon-looking ones, big fish ones who patrol the river sticks, looking for a bite out of something that's not in one of the Marina Loth's boat. Um, I get a bit of a Cthulhu vibes Wait, out of these. Wait, who else is riding down the river sticks, man? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, well, like a demon might be like, "Oh, I can just swim over there. Okay. I don't have to pay this price." Okay, and I was, then like, he gets I was like, I thought, like the, I thought the whole point of this river was like it was bringing the dead. I was like, "Who else is in there?" <laughs> well, so the demons and the devils will both pay these ferrymen to get and, and wage this war, right? You know, and and the, these are magical, very protected boats that you can't sink. You know, uh, you can't board it without him allowing you to board. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so it's quite an effective way to wage war against each other, except for you don't get to fight like on the water, right? Yeah. You're pretty much bound to the land because your boats won't float. Anyways, I get like Cthulhu vibes out of these people, especially ending in off. That's a very Cthulhu type name there. No. And these are the mercenaries of the Lower Plains, and that will fight for anyone if the price is right. And, of course, the price we're talking about is souls, but there could be other things that they could uh, take in trade as well. Right. Um, and, and they will fight for whoever is paying. If the other side ups their price, they will switch Sounds sides like immediately. Sounds like House Keeneth again. No problem with it. <laughs> uh, yeah, was it uh, so the Yugoloths that we met actually hired my adventuring band to do things for them? So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. You can pay these people they're, too. They're like, they're like, we will charge you a million, and then they look at us, be like, we will pay you eight hundred thousand. <laughs> they're just like, pocket the rest. Be like, too easy, guys. This isn't too easy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. The, this is the side that is profiting the most off of this war. And so they do have an interest in keeping it balanced, to keeping it continuing, right? Uh, because the more people who want to travel over the river sticks, the more their ferrymen get paid, the more mercenaries can be like, hey, I'll fight for your side for this. I'll fight for your side for this. Who wants to take my offer? You know, stuff like that. 
They come from the plains of Guyana uh, that I had mentioned earlier. This, these plains are made up of four uh, dormant volcanoes where the gravity pulls you at a 45 degree angle to make it feel as if you're always on the side of a steep volcano. Oh, weird. Now, there's a capital city called the Crawling City that sits on thousands of crawling legs. The reason I bring this up is that there now, is a prophecy. Did you say crawling legs? Like L-E-G-S legs? Yes. Yeah, it's a city on thousands of legs. And it crawls around. Is it, is it like is it like calves? Does that like make sense? down? Or like, does it have the glutes and everything? <laughs> so in the raw text, it's just crawling legs. But when people have uh, painted this or drawn this, uh, they usually use very humanoid legs. Yeah, but like legs. to what part? Like you got glutes in there? Like, like <laughs> up, uh, halfway up the calf halfway is what up I'm the seeing. Calf? But I mean, that's, below that's all the knee, speculation. Dude. Right. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Okay, halfway yeah, was... up the thigh. Using their ankles to what? Okay, so... This is uh, like uh, the Yugolos capital city. And there's a prophecy that if that city was ever fully involved in the blood war, that that would be the end of the blood war. So this is yet another reason why the Yugolos are invested in keeping this war contained and ongoing, right? Because that kind of prophecy sounds like their capital city might fall. All right. Yeah. I, I that's that is definitely not the feeling I got it from. For me, it sounds like that's what ends the war is when they pick a side and they all become involved. That's what I take Ooh. from that prophecy. Okay. And right. I think anybody who's interested in making money is like, let's not do that, guys. Who like <laughs> the end of war is the end of money. Right. 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 And they. So yeah, they they are avoiding this. Yeah. Right. They do not want that prophecy to come about. So, I just wanted to mention that there. Okay. How are uh, we doing on time here? Uh, we're about ready to introduce our treasure room question. You're like two minutes. All right. Let's just go ahead and do that now. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. We have mentioned in the past that if you go to the Patreon page, we have collections of all the different worlds and pieces of lore we have covered. For example, if you want everything we have ever done about Baldur's Gate, from the invention of D&D to... Baldur's Gate 1, Baldur's Gate 2, Dark Alliance, all of that. You can find individual collections for all of those or just one big collection containing all of Baldur's Gate or all of D&D. So everything we have covered, everything we've covered, Eberron, Marvel, DC, Alien Zooniverse, Cyberpunk, Dune, and more. We have collections for each of those worlds. And I do want to mention that on the Patreon, the only thing behind the subscription is the treasure room content anything that has been released in the podcast for free is still free there it is just a better organization of the information that the podcast app doesn't let us do they are just a big list and you just got to type in your search words on the patreon there are tags for everything you got fantasy D creature features Baldur's Gate 1, Baldur's Gate 2, Dark Alliance, all of that. Just an individual tag for those episodes. And as I said, we do have collections just to make this as easy as possible to find what you're looking for. We have learned in the past that a lot of people who listen to the floor, they're interested in one or two of the worlds. And they may check out one or two of the episodes when we switch worlds. But they're really just mostly interested in that. So we just want to like consolidate 
everything you're looking for to make it just as easy as possible to access. So check that out just to make your life easier. And uh, we are working at making sure you can download any of the free episodes there. So even if you're going to lose Wi-Fi or connection, you can get the episodes you want before that happens or just not burn your data while you're traveling to and from work or whatever else is you do while you listen. And uh, thank you. I hope you continue to enjoy the show.